Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Donald Mazzella, and I am Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Each hour here at Small Business Digest Radio, we hope to bring you information, strategies, and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Small Business Digest comes to you via the web at the number 2sbdigest.com, our magazine, which you can download on any electronic device, at digital.turnpage.com slash forward slash i forward slash 104416 or by RSS feed. You can subscribe to a print or an uh, online newsletter at 2sbdigest.com. We have an interesting program today, and we we have online our first guest. Hello, and welcome to the show. Hello, good morning. Hi, Michael? Yes, it's Michael with Go Health. How are you, Michael? Michael Mahoney uh, is is with us, and we're going to talk about uh, and, uh, the advice in obtaining and using a health savings account, amongst other things. But before we do, Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm Senior Vice President of Consumer Marketing uh, for Go Health. We're an on- and offline health insurance shopping platform, uh, which means, first and foremost, we're a technology company. We're also a sales organization uh, helping people purchase and research health insurance. Well, um, we certainly need help in terms of HSAs. Um, uh, certainly. There's a huge group of people that are suddenly going to find themselves uh, obliged to purchase health insurance or face a tax. So it's an exciting time in our industry. Well, um, when we started out, um, there were in 2005, there were just 44,000 accounts. Now there's at least 14 million Americans covered by HSAs. Mm-hmm. But, but tell us um, first for our audience, tell us a little bit about HSAs. Sure, an HSA or a health savings account um, is a little bit different uh, from what. Uh, the majority of people currently use uh, to cover their medical costs in that it's a defined amount of money. Uh, it's really a defined contribution as opposed to defined benefit. So it's a certain amount of money that you can be used, uh, that, that you can use to cover qualified medical expenses to help cut down your medical costs. Uh, um, and Michael, uh, you have some thoughts on how people should use HSAs. Am I right? Uh, certainly. Well, the first is just understand how they can be used because they can't be used for everything. Um, for a qualified uh, a qualified medical expense, for example, would be ambulance costs, uh, medical devices, uh, crutches, wheelchairs, things like that. Um, you can even use them for contact lenses. Uh, you know, those are things that a lot of people consider more of an over-the-counter medical cost that they can be used for that. And most people don't realize they can be used for travel costs. Um, myself, I see a doctor in Colorado, uh, so I can use those funds 
as to apply towards the travel costs of those medical uh, medical expenses. That's really that's really interesting. Um, um, people talk about medical travel today as um, an up-and-coming area. It's cheaper to go to Singapore and sometimes go down to your local uh, hospital. But um, uh, someone once said that uh, you could use it for for, for uh, every even um, uh, uh, I have a senior moment again. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know the Chinese uh, medical, um, but anyway, let, let's go yeah, on. You can you can use them you can use them for a variety of uh, expenses. Um, it's very dependent upon the plan, so all of it is in um, minutia in the minutia that's written up with every single plan. So we always encourage people to double check with their plan before incurring costs to make sure they're covered. Well, what what else would you suggest? Uh, um, well, do you recommend HSAs over other forms of uh, insurance? Um, well, it's hard to it's hard to make a recommendation like that because everybody's situation is a little bit different. Um, <laughs> but I do believe that it gives people more flexibility. However, I will say that somebody who I would not recommend uh, as, as a as a purchaser of an HSA is somebody that doesn't plan their medical costs. Um, because one thing to consider when if you're purchasing an HSA-eligible medical plan and also contributing to an HSA, you have to be thinking about what costs you're going to incur throughout the year because you have to choose how much money to set aside for that. Well, um, our audiences are primarily small business leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- um, uh and, and they face some difficult decisions over the next uh, uh, eight months about uh, 2014 and Obamacare. Um, what what do you should do you think should be their decision criteria about offering it for their employees, for offering health care insurance to their employees? Sure. Well, well, the largest is really are they considered uh, a small business or not? You know, which which the dividing line is is it uh, 50 full time employees? You actually get a credit for the first 30. Um, but I've talked to a lot of people, and, and even if you're not obligated to provide insurance, I think it's a great defensible offering for a lot of small businesses because some small businesses will be out there not providing insurance because they don't have to. So if you're competing for the same employees and you do offer some type of insurance coverage, uh, that can be a great way to, to find and recruit and retain talent. Um, the reason that an HSA is a, is a good vehicle for small businesses is that it allows them to offer medical insurance but also control their costs. Normally, people pair an HSA with a high deductible health plan. You're talking about deductibles in the $5,000, $10,000 range. Um, and a lot for a lot of people, that's a lot of out-of-pocket risk. You know, that they're going to cover the first $5,000 themselves. But if you pair that with an HSA, then you have uh, an account with with cash to make and use for medical expenses up until those five thousand. At which point your major medical takes over. So it's a good way for a small business to save on their contributions for medical expenses, um, but also allow employees to have a vehicle to pay for those medical expenses before they hit that uh, out of pocket deductible. Well. Um, it, it 
there's some studies that indicate that um, uh, consumer directed, which uh, healthcare, which HSAs are, seem to be uh, reducing uh, use, uh, usage amongst those uh, 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 who have been uh, the usage mm -hmm. of. Health uh, healthcare services. How are you seeing that? Uh, yes, we are, and and I absolutely believe that's a trend that's going to continue. Um, the more that people benefit by not using or smartly using their insurance, the more they're the more they're going to consider how they're applying it. Um, for a lot of people today that have major medical, uh, especially to their employer. You know, they the the day they were offered insurance, they checked the box, usually PPO or HMO, and then maybe decided family or individual coverage. But that was really the extent of their choice. Um, so when they have a condition, they go to the hospital, they go to a primary care physician, they go to a clinic, and they use their insurance. But to them, they're thinking, well, there's there's no benefit for me to shop around. Um, not really. Um, if you're if you're using a HSA combined with a high deductible health plan, then it's more like cash in your pocket. So we're going to continue trying to people shopping before they apply their insurance because it impacts them more. That saving goes right to their. Are you there, Michael? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, it sounded as if you uh, cut off. Um, oh, sorry. Did you lose me for a minute? I'm sorry. Uh, you, you, did you lose me for a minute? Yes. So can you hear me? Be can you hear me better now? Uh, better. Thank okay. you. Well, let's. Uh, um, uh, but in order to to really use an HSA, um, consumers have to get get over the their their um, awe of doc of doctors and, and medical and really a ask questions. If nothing else, to ask for a second opinion. Um, do, you, do you see that happening? We do. Now, it's, it's different for doctors, right? Because if you're talking about changing their behavior, you're also talking about doctors changing their behavior. So the average patient, instead of coming in asking, uh, is going to and say, thanks, you know, we'll be in touch. I'm going to go call a few other folks. So it's also going to take an adjustment in terms of the doctors providing care that they may be met with more mm, more reticence on the part of the consumers to actually accept uh, the diagnosis. Well, you know, um, we, we did a survey uh, of uh, 1,200 <coughs> 1, uh, medical practices and found uh, that uh, 31% had HSAs for their staff. And we're seeing mm -hmm. a greater trend. Are you seeing that? Uh, we are, and that's that's an important point to note. You know, you're, you're looking at experts in the field, people that really know where to go and what type of care to receive, people working in the medical field. And so if they're using it, that means it's a pretty cost-effective way of applying your dollars for medical care. However, the second takeaway is that you really need to know what you should pay for, what treatments you should and should not get, and how to get it. Um, so it does put a lot more responsibility on the average consumer um, because they necessarily need to have a fundamental understanding of 
how important different treatments are and what they should pay for those types of treatments. Well, uh, do you think the Internet, uh, uh, if someone hears about an illness or is told about an illness, they immediately go to the Internet. Uh, do you think that is having an effect on how uh, individuals use their uh, um, HSAs? We uh, we do. Um, I'm I'm concerned in 2013 that it's uh, there are a lot of people that are using it for good. The trend towards self-diagnosis uh, is not necessarily a good thing, simply because people come in to receive care with a preconceived notion of what they may or may not have. Um, so I think the information online needs to be a lot more streamlined. Uh, and people need to use that in combination with licensed medical practitioners. Um, you know, I, I know if you if you go online and say, you know, I have a I have a, a, a fever, I have a cough, I feel tired. I mean, you could have everything from life-threatening diseases to simply fatigue. Um, so people really need to be careful about self-diagnosis. Um, I, I see our, our next um, uh, guest is online. I'm going to ask her to be patient while we will continue with you, Michael, um, uh, because uh, I think this is such an important topic. Um, mm -hmm. uh, what would you tell our, our, our audience are the three uh, critical things they should know about an HSA? Uh, well, the first is know, know your, to small businesses, know your employees. Um, you know, when you're setting up your plan, you need to look at your workforce and uh, really look at what their needs are. Are they a lot of young individuals? Are they a lot of older families? Because it's going to be different. The second is prepare them. You know, if you're making a change from a major medical plan to an HSA with a high deductible health plan and they're not prepared to do their own research, um, Concern. So make sure they're prepared for that change. And the last is measure employee satisfaction. You know, when you're making a change to something as big as a medical plan, you should be able to measure that people are happier with that change. Uh, so once you make it, you know, ask around whether it's a formal survey or formal, uh, and see if it's impacting their lives in a better way. Um, for for someone using an HSA, uh, let's say it's an individual. Uh, what would you say for, for them to be doing? Uh, research. Uh, the biggest thing is that if you're using an HSA combined with a high-deductible health plan, you're taking on more risk. So you need to have a more active role than somebody on a traditional major med plan in terms of understanding what your risks are, what, what conditions you may or may not have, how often you go to the doctor, the cost of treatment. Um, so if, if, if you take up an HSA, be prepared to do more research. Um, tell us a little bit about your company, what, what your company does and uh, how it benefits uh, our audience. Uh, sure. Uh, we actually we started out as a web design company uh, in 2001 and got into health insurance software um, simply because we had a gentleman come try to sell us group insurance, and the process was so confusing and filled with so much paperwork uh, that we decided that we were going to build uh, the first health insurance quoting engine. Um, and from there, it just built itself into a platform for researching and purchasing health insurance. 
So we're primarily a software company, um, but we also emerged from the small business perspective of this is very confusing and there's got to be a better way. Uh, so right now we sell health insurance uh, to many millions of people a year, um, either independently as GoHealthInsurance.com or as the white label solution for a lot of health insurance carriers. Hmm. Well, um, uh, how will the exchanges affect you? Uh, by way of explanation, uh, uh, there, there, some states will have exchanges where where individuals can go to uh, find their uh, health insurance. How will that affect you, if at all? Well, we have it, the the short answer. It means that the market's going to be a lot bigger, and we're going to be a lot busier. Um, it, more specifically, uh, we have plans to sell both on and off exchange, uh, both in the public market and also in terms of private exchanges. Uh, employers coming to us and saying, I would like you to administer my health benefits for all my employees. Give them a private marketplace where I can put in a defined contribution and they can shop for whatever they want, but I know that they're protected and that all the plans that are offered there are exactly what my employees want. Um, so in, in general, it's, it's a good thing for us. Uh, I mean, any time the government mandates that people must buy your product or pay for fine, that just means that the marketplace is going to grow exponentially. Well, um, do you feel that um, uh, many uh, many Amer well, I'll put it a different way. Um, do you feel that people who don't have insurance now will buy it, or will they pay the penalty in 2014? Do you have any research? We do. We do. We're seeing a lot of we're seeing a lot of mixed uh, responses. I do believe that the first year out of the gates, there will be a lot of confusion. Um, just imagine, for example, if people weren't used to paying taxes every year, and suddenly millions and millions of them were forced to pay taxes. Uh, there is going to be a lot of confusion during the first open enrollment. Um, a few years in, I think it's going to be a lot much more of a streamlined process. Um, but the question is to people buying versus not buying, that, that really comes down to the edge cases. For a lot of people, it makes sense not to buy and to take the line. And for a lot of people, due to the subsidies and the fact that they're not going to get denied because of pre-existing additions, it makes all the sense in the world to purchase a plan. The question is, uh, for people that are kind of on the edge, you know, healthy individuals didn't buy health insurance in the past, but are now considering it due to eligibility and the subsidy. Does it make sense to get a plan if they're going to pay 10% more? You know, we think so. So, in general, we're going to see a lot more people purchasing plans. However, we do believe there's going to be a portion of the population that says, well, the fine isn't very large in the first year, so I'm going to pay the fine and uh, take my chances. But uh, also, since there's uh, a pre-existing condition, if you get sick, you can buy the insurance. Well, that's that's a tricky part, right? So a lot of people have have that conclusion, and it's partially true. Uh, that's why there is an open enrollment period. Um, otherwise, you would have people purchasing insurance on the way to the hospital, you know, or, or a kiosk in the emergency room. Um, but in, in, insurance is a financial risk product, right? So that it's set up so that there's only certain periods of the year in which you can enroll unless you have a life event, you know, a, a death, a birth, a move, a job loss, uh, something like that. So I think those open enrollment periods will protect the system a little bit. Um, 
but you're right, there's going to be a lot of strain uh, on the system because I don't think a lot of individuals will be considering their needs in the next year during open enrollment, meaning it's hard for people, for small businesses, for employers, employees, to sit down and think, what are the chances that I'm going to need this insurance six, nine, twelve months from now, and how should I make my decision now? Um, that's a lot of responsibility. That's a, that's a pretty big decision for most people. Well, uh, tell us again your your website. Uh, GoHealthInsurance.com. Uh, and uh, Michael, if they want to reach you or your uh, your uh, your company. Uh, or a salesperson, how do they do it? Uh, just go to GoHealthInsurance.com. There's an 800 number there. And also on the homepage, you can put in a zip code, your height, weight, date of birth, and see all the plans you qualify for. Um, and as much as we are a growing company, we're still a small business. So if you send an email to anybody in the company uh, or call in and say you want to talk to me, uh, they'll get you to me. Okay, Michael. Thank you for coming uh, on on board today and helping us uh, try to unravel the HSA and the healthcare mystique. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay. In in a moment, we'll be talking with Susan Cha- Chambers, who uh, who talks about her new book, uh, Small Business Big Change: A Micro Entrepreneur's Guide to Social Responsibility. But first, a message from our sponsor. Many small businesses purchase supplies, equipment, other needs through local stores. To save money on many of these purchases, consider Deem.com. This purchasing site offers real bargains and large discounts on many key items needed to run your business. And it's free to join and use. That's D-E-E-M.com. Again, D-E-E-M dot com for all your small business needs. We're back live, and we have with us Susan Chambers. Uh, Her new book is Small Business Big Change, A Micro-Entrepreneur's Guide to Social Responsibility. It is a blueprint for companies who want to do more. Susan, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good morning. Actually, I guess it's good afternoon for you, isn't it? I'm sorry? I said, I guess it's good afternoon for you. It's good morning for oh, me still. So. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. we try we try to make it timeless because um, uh, many of our listeners hear this program uh, uh, on a tape delay. Uh, right. First, uh, first uh, Susan, tell us a little bit about you. Who are you, and how did you come to where you are now? Oh gosh. Um, the short version is I've always had a I've had a long his, uh, interest in social justice issues and economic justice and environmental sustainability. That started way back when I was in graduate school uh, studying social sciences, and that interest sort of carried along. And I had an interest in businesses that tried to make a difference then, although there weren't many back then in the late 1980s. Um, and then in recent years, I, I life sort of you know, took a few interesting new directions. I got involved with an organization called Be the Change Earth Alliance in Vancouver, and they have these action circles. And in the process of volunteering my time to help them 
do some research to find resources for the participants in their action circles and um, editing it. I discovered that this action guide was a wealth of, of actions that individuals could take to make a difference. And I realized that if individuals could make a big difference over a long period of time taking small actions, then small business owners could also do the same thing. Uh, the more immediate catalyst for the book was listening in to a teleseminar for heart-centered business people and overhearing some of the participants say that they would like to make a difference through their business, but they didn't know how. And since I have a, a background on being able to pull together information, I thought, well, I could help small business people do that. I, I could pull together the resources and show them a simple way to, to identify a social impact and be able to track that in their business and then share that with, with their customers and their different stakeholders. Well, um, it, um, I, I guess the, the first question, uh, small business what? Why should I be uh, spending my limited resources on, on social responsibility? Well, that that's a good question, and you know, small businesses make up the largest portion of all businesses in in both the United States and Canada. So, small business owners have a huge role to to play in contributing to um, guiding business in a in a different direction. We've all sort of read the scandals that have happened with some of the larger companies. And so I, I do think small businesses have a role to play in doing business differently. And I, th I think part of that is also that we have it in our minds that it has to be an expensive endeavor, but in fact, it doesn't. Uh, a lot of the steps that I suggest in, in the book, really, they they would save you money in the long run while also doing good for the, the planet and the people that you work with or people that you have working for you. And you, it can be done in simple ways like volunteering some time to a community event or a community organization. It doesn't have to always be spending large amounts of money. It could be, for example, finding ways to cut back on expenses, for example, instead of buying bottled water, um, invest in a filter for your tap, and then you can do away with plastic bottles, so you're, you're reducing an expense there, and you're keeping all the plastic out of the landfill and all the problems that go along with, with trying to recycle so much material. So, so well, it's, money, it's money saving as well as making a positive difference. Well, that, you just added some very interesting things. Uh, but uh, how does a, a small business, well, you said some of them, but how does a small business uh, go about being socially responsible? You started, but I, uh, and those are good answers, which I hadn't thought about, so I, I'd like you to expand a little bit because it, it really is, I think, of interest. Okay. Well, a socially responsible business is, instead of looking just at the bottom line for the profit, a socially responsible business is interested in environmental sustainability and the people aspect. So you know, the triple bottom line is people, planet, profits. So within the people aspect of that, you're looking at your community and how you give back to your community or support your local economy. You would be looking at how you, if you have employees, how you treat your employees, what you have in place for your employees, how do you treat contract workers that you work with, your suppliers. Um, if you have suppliers overseas, are you going to go as far as looking at 
how they treat their employees and, and working conditions there. And then, of course, also, it's it's what do you have in place with your customers and how do you interact with your, your customers. So it, it's a lot of different relationships. So there are a lot of different places you could choose to start uh, with being socially responsible, and you wouldn't want to take them all on at once. And in fact, one of the points I really recommend in the book is to start small. Pick one or two issues that are important to you or that or might be important to your brand as a business and just start to track those and find a way to track those. So, for example, if it's important to connect with your local community, what could you do? Could you volunteer time um, or your services or donate goods in kind to a community organization? And how many times throughout the year would you want to do that? One of the companies that I interviewed in my book, she offers workshops through her store. This is uh, it's called the Soap Dispensary. It's a refill store. So one of the things that she does is she does workshops to teach people to be more sustainable, and uh, she also donates some of that money to some nonprofit organizations. So she, I, I didn't include her financial information because that's that's sensitive, but. For example, she might decide that she wants to donate X amount over a year to nonprofits that are aligned with her business values around environmental sustainability. So there there are easy things that you can track. Does that help? Uh, Very definitely. um, uh, I want to play devil's advocate for a moment because uh, we – we do a lot of research, and uh, we find that um, uh, being socially responsible is uh, not high on the pri- priority list of small businesses. It comes a little bit behind financing uh, the business, um, health care, and a few others. But um, uh, And I find myself uh, torn and conflicted. Um, can you give a couple of examples of, uh, in your own experience, of small businesses? Uh, I know you just gave one or two. Um, uh, not so much what they did, but how they benefited uh, from a profit point of view. Sure. Okay. There is also uh, another company that I interviewed. Um, they, the person who started that had gone to, uh, I believe it was the Bainbridge Graduate Institute. So he's he's already had a background in in sustainable business, but he specifically implemented measures um, that were not only sustainable for the business. He he incorporated as a, a, a B Corp, a benefit corporation, but they they do save him money. So for he has a gift basket company. So for example, instead of buying new sort of shredded paper to put in with the, and in fact he uses a, a box made from recycled material rather than the, the baskets that tend to get tossed and that are full of the shredded paper. He came up with a system where he he works with a nearby print shop and he takes all of their offcuts and shreds of paper and, and he uses that in, in his gift baskets rather than buying new paper and using new paper. So not only do they have uh, a materials exchange where he's making use of someone else's waste, which helps them to not have to pay for the recycling, it also means that he's not paying for certain products. So those kinds of measures do actually result in, in savings. 
as as well as making a difference. Um, it requires being a bit creative. Well, uh, that that's the point of the, uh, the creativity. Uh, let me ask you: um, Are there organizations um, that small businesses can join, or uh, that you that you know of where they can uh, f find out how? Besides your book, and let's give your book um, uh, another another plug: Small Business, Big Change, A Micro Entrepreneur's Guide to Social Responsibility. Inside, um, small businesses don't, don't like to be pioneers. They like to talk with other people who have done it. Is do you, are there organizations or ways that they can uh, find how, out how other people did it? And uh, oh, yes, definitely. Um, I would say that they could talk to the bcorporation.net. That's uh, B Labs. That's the organization that certifies companies as B corporations. Green America's Green Business uh, is a membership organization, I believe. But they have they also certify organizations or businesses as green businesses. If they contact uh, a lot of the businesses that belong to Bale, the Business Association for Local Living Economies, uh, many of their businesses are also interested in being socially responsible. And the other option that would give people ideas on how to track information is there is a community foundation in Vancouver called Van City Community Foundation. They have a project called Demonstrating Value, which they primarily work with social enterprises, but the same principles would apply to small businesses. And it will, their demonstrating value project, um, anyone can go online and can download lots of resource material on deciding, for example, social impact goals might be and um, how those uh, goals can be tracked. Okay, now let's talk a little bit. Now that you've written this book, what, what are you going to do next? Well, that's a good question. I, uh, you know, it's sounding like my phone is about to to um, uh, give out. So I will answer quickly, and if I have to, I'll, can I call you back? So very quickly, I'm I'm thinking about converting some of the information into workshops to offer to different organizations, for example, social venture institute type organizations. Um, I'm considering the also tweaking the book for specific groups, for example, um, healers, holistic healthcare practitioners, uh, businesses who operate in a rural uh, environment rather than urban or suburban. And uh, a friend of mine who's a teacher said that you know she was looking through the book to see if she could apply ideas to a project she does with students around community development. So maybe the next one will be Small people, big changes, or small students, big changes, because she works with elementary students. So, well, actually, I think you got a real catchy title. Um, I, uh, uh, I, I want to thank you for coming on, on today. Again, the name of the book is "Small Business, Big Change: A Micro Entrepreneur's Guide to Social Responsibility." Susan, thank you for coming. Well, thank you so much for for having me. I appreciated the opportunity to talk about the book. And uh, can I put in a plug for my publisher? If, if uh, people are interested, they should go to nightelspress.com and they can order a copy of the book through there, or they can order a copy of the ebook through Amazon or Barnes and Noble online. That's that's really great. I will invite you back again soon. 
Uh, All right. We'll be back after this commercial. Want to know more about health savings accounts for your company or yourself? Go to 2hsa.com and get a free employer's primer. Health savings accounts are a cost-effective way of offering health care benefits to your employees and yourself. HSAs build retirement funds for your employees, improve morale, and reduce your health care benefit costs. For a free employer guide to HSAs, go to 2hsa.com. That's 2hsa.com. Well, uh, we're coming to the close of another day. Um, before I uh, go, every every uh, week we try to give uh, our listeners uh, some bit of advice from our panel of experts. Tonight, uh, today's come from uh, two sources. The first is uh, we're we're seeing um, a lengthening in the, uh, the number of days accounts receivable are unpaid. It's gone up to 64 uh, days on average, according to uh, 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 a survey by um, biz to, uh, biz to, to credit .com. Um, uh, This is uh, an un- unacceptable level for most small businesses because cash, manage- cash flow management is a key <coughs> component of uh, any uh, successful small business. Um, we strongly urge you to, uh, uh, if, if this is a situation that's happening to you, number one, look for a, um, if, if your uh, average n- number of days is creeping up. Two, take, if that's the case, take steps. But in any case, uh, c- keep a close eye on it. Uh, the, the second thing uh, we wanted to talk about is, um, there was a, a survey recently that indicated that um, women-owned businesses um, are paying more ta- uh, in, in financing fees and are more apt to be turned down because, uh, <coughs> than their male <coughs> um, counterparts. This is a trend w- um, uh, we should try to, to uh, reverse. For um, the uh, editors here at Small Business Digest, this is Don Mazzella wishing you a good day.